0: Today in the garage, we asked the guests of season two to tell us about their favorite law-related movies, and it was a lot of fun. Whether you're driving your Maserati Quattroporte, shredding your Stratocaster, or crafting a cross-examination, step into the garage, listen to the experts, and get a tune-up. Some uh, easier questions to answer. Andrew, is there a movie or
1: show that <laughs> reminds you of some aspects of criminal defense? There's only one, and this is the only answer I think anyone can give, and it's My Cousin Vinny, and it's because... That's
2: my answer, too. It has
1: to be, because all the TV shows generally suck, And uh, but My Cousin Vinny had, first of all, in terms of, of lawyer as investigator... It was wonderful. In terms of the strength of his cross-examinations, it was wonderful. But there were even these little throwaway moments. Like, remember when, when the expert report on the car gets sprung on him at the last minute? And he's, he's researched an objection. And he goes up and he gives this great objection that any judge here would have given him. And the judge looks down at him. And, but if you listen to the content of the objection, it's exactly something that we would have said. And then that, the old judge looks down and says, Mr. Gambini, that is a cogent, clear, persuasive objection. You're overruled. And then he has to deal with And it was just so like perfect. And, and I think that that case, as compressed as it was, like he did a murder trial in three days or whatever it was, as compressed as that was, it was the most realistic for me. And Megan?
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's the same answer. It's, it is so spot on as far as criminal
3: procedure is concerned in a way that the average TV show or movie just truly isn't.
0: He has to give it to you. It's called disclosure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I looked up Jerry Gallo. It's Jerry Callow. Jerry Callow.
0: <laughs> so tell us about um, a TV show or movie that reminds you of the criminal law
4: uh i've had to stop watching a lot of, i yell at the screen i so my way of relaxing in law school was i would go law, i don't know what it was in the early 2000s but law and order was on 24 hours a day you could always find an episode of law and order i i am damn close to breaking the tv now when it comes on i'm objection objection oh for god's sake you know, this is this is the whole experience. So I don't know. I, I think uh, I think the best cross was uh was my cousin Vinny. The uh, and, and I love but I love the I love the schmuck that crosses before Vinny. When he gets up, he's like, Are you sure that you saw these guys? Yes. Really? Yes. Really? <laughs> huh. This guy's a tough nut.
0: <laughs> so what's the best cross in my cousin Vinny?
4: Oh, it's got to be the—it's uh, got to be the grits. Uh,
0: that's my. It's got to be the grits. I agree. That's my. Do you opinion.
4: use instant grits? No self-respecting southerner would use instant grits. And do your grits boil faster than everybody else's grits? No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: obviously, many are going to agree with you on this uh, as being one of the best, you know, law criminal law movies. But that grits cross examination to me is important because. It tells us that you can use things that you learn in your everyday life Mm -hmm. in your cross examination. And I feel like when you're in law school or as a young lawyer, you're so focused on the law, the law. What did this witness say? Yeah. And you kind of forget to think outside the box.
4: I I was doing a trial. I had a client. My, oh, you're gonna like this one. I don't know how much of this I can tell. My client. <laughs> you was You can a, tell whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. There's there's parts I can't. But my client was. Uh, it was a member of a certain group of mem- of motorcycle enthusiasts, and he was out uh, one night it was New Year's Eve, and this guy. Uh, uh, they're at a nice restaurant in in Oakville, and this guy starts running his mouth about how tough he is and you know all his time on g unit this notoriously tough unit in kingston Penn. and my client's sitting there listening to this guy run his mouth and he looks at him finally and says you know <clears throat> i was on g unit for six years i will fucking know you and this guy comes over and puts his forehead on my client's forehead and stares him down and the nicest thing my client did for this guy was he took off his rings before he delivered a beating that left him blind in one eye wow so um the that was the theory of the crown the theory of the defense was this guy uh came to and uh attacked the doorman in his studio he's just fighting everyone after this you ever see like a guy wake up from a knockout in the ufc and he goes after the referee that sort of thing so the doorman uh in this police statement says i put him in a and I hold and I took him to the door and I threw him out the the side of the restaurant. So I went there and I looked. And the side of the restaurant is about four feet away from the next building. So if you throw someone through the door, they're going into that wall. (laughs) And uh, and my theory was that my client may have gotten in a, a consensual fight with this guy if they could make out ID, but that it was in fact the bouncer who had blinded him by throwing him into a wall. And I, as, the the crown is examining this guy, Uh, the the crown says, can you draw us a little diagram of the restaurant? And I say, Your Honor, can I walk up and see what's happening here? So I go, oh, of course, Mr. And I go up, and as I'm standing there beside this guy watching him draw the map, I look over, and he's got ears that look a lot like the guys I wrestle with. Cauliflower. Cauliflower ears. And I don't look at the map for another second, and I go back to my go back to council table, and I lean over to my client. They watch this. And I stand up, I throw my cross-examination away. I say, how long did you wrestle for? He goes, what? I said, where'd you wrestle? He goes, Brock. I'm like, you were a varsity wrestler? He goes, yeah. I said, how oh, you do that the whole time? Yeah. Play any other uh, sports there? Yeah, I played rugby. Oh, yeah? Is that how you got those years? And he's like, yeah. And I said, uh, you do any uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu? He goes, yeah, I did it for years. I said, this is uh, this hole you put him in as you walked him across the restaurant. That was a rear naked choke, wasn't it? He goes, that's right. And I say, you know that to be a blood choke. That's right. And he, how long do you think it would take you to choke someone unconscious with a blood choke? He's like, oh, I don't know, like six seconds. And I say, how long did it take you to get across the restaurant? Oh, about 30 seconds. And what you did was you took this guy in a blood choke across the restaurant. You pushed open the door and you threw him out the door, right? Yeah. You threw an unconscious man into the wall. Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> All because I saw the ears. It's the only thing that mattered in the whole cross.
2: If I may nerd this up a little.
4: <laughs> You're gonna say Nova Nova actus and turviens?
2: The thing I was gonna say is the other thing to learn from my cousin Vinny is the <laughs> <laughs> is the importance of punctuation. <laughs> because my favorite part of that movie is <laughs> I shot the clerk. I shot the clerk, <laughs> and then the defendant said, "Your Honor, I shot the clerk. <laughs> I shot the clerk." There's Which incidentally is also the problem with transcripts on an appeal. <laughs> oh,
0: it's. I, I never forget. I'm not going to say the lawyer's name, but he's a friend of ours, all probably of all of ours. And he's doing a closing address and a bad homicide, and I just happened to catch it, and it's on the screen, and he says, "The Crown's entire case." relies on this one text message contract killing that's what i do he's like there's no punctuation (laughs) the crown says it's contract killing that's what i do and he says contract killing killing? that's what i do and i'm thinking to myself Ah, if he wins (laughs) i'm buying that guy a steak (laughs) seriously that's a tough one what's your tv show or movie of choice um, that you look to regarding the law
3: uh i i think uh i'd have to say my cousin Vinny, um <laughs> mike and 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 uh, people are gonna laugh but uh and and i'm sure a lot of people will agree though is that out of every single legal based drama movie series the most accurate portrayal of the criminal trial is in my cousin Vinny, hands down, and um, you know everything from law to procedure to disclosure, you idiot, is just you know is just it's perfect, and I don't think a lot of people realize just how close the practice of law is. Uh, as it's portrayed in My Cousin Vinny as compared to what you see on TV now with Suits and other legal-related dramas. Well,
0: the one thing, I mean, My Cousin Vinny, the one thing that you, I remember it opened my eyes, was that he learns about what grits are when he orders grits for breakfast he learns about it. So it becomes part of his common knowledge. And then it suddenly becomes a salient fact in a witness's testimony. And I think as counsel, we forget that what you learn as common knowledge, what you have in your mind, you can apply and you can ask questions about if you know about a certain topic. That's why when, you know, legal, greats like Alan gold to give us a presentation or a seminar, especially on expert evidence, they say, read the books, learn about the topic, learn about the subject matter that also applies to common witnesses. So he learned about grits by happenstance. It becomes part of his common knowledge. And now his, one of the central ID witnesses says that, you know, while he was making his grits, um, this all of this took place, and then he asked him, "Well, do you make instant grits? Do you do it like this?" Because he knows <laughs> al dente, al dente, because he knows <laughs> about how grits are made, and that to me was one of the things that I took from that movie. That says it's not about what's in the disclosure all the time. It's not about what the witness says. It's about what you know and what you can put to the witness. And I think that comes with experience, but it also comes from your ability to understand that your common knowledge becomes
3: relevant. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I think some of the greatest lawyers have you know um, a well-rounded background and experience where it's just not only based on education and and school, but you know having part-time jobs or growing up you know um, you know in a lower socioeconomic status than other like that's the kind of experience that I think makes a great lawyer
2: now my deep deep knowledge of Mr. Noodles from being a latchkey kid helped me in my fail to appear trial where my client had had a bad case of Mr. Noodles but that's able to take the court through the process of making Mr. Noodles
0: but that's very true and and I think that that's uh, exactly how it unfolded in the movie Now, Harpreet, let's talk about a movie that reminds you of some
5: aspects of criminal defense. My Cousin Vinny, That's the a, greatest law movie. What's, why do you say that? It has everything. There's expert testimony. There's eyewitness identification. There's evidentiary objections. Uh, there's two youths what more it I mean it's present there's disclosure and the process of obtaining disclosure it's comedic but it actually contains a lot of the elements of what your everyday practice is there's it's it
0: it actually has a lot of legal procedure yeah you know there's an expert voir dire yep sort there's of. there's an objection that's a well-articulated <laughs> objection right denied Um, but above all, what is it, what's your favorite part of that, of that movie? What part stands out to you when you think
5: of it? I love the eyewitness, the cross-examination of the elderly witness and the eyewitness uh, and the cross-examination there because we've all done an eyewitness cross-examination and he gets the measuring tape and how far away are you and uh, the whole, you know, you were this far away, there was no lights, you were uh, making grits, how long does it take you to make the grits? That's a different witness. But I, that was, that's my favorite part when he's going through the eyewitness testimony It's because it's, that's really the cross that's the cross that you would do with that type of a witness that's not even exaggerated maybe a little bit but not that much i like that one michelle
0: people challenge i uh my cousin Vinny with legally blonde as being the better of the two can do you want to take that position
2: I'll be honest I haven't seen my cousin Vinny in some time. You're disbarred. (laughs) Whereas and I do recall liking it but again when I watched it this predated my legal career. Whereas I did see uh, Legally Blonde fairly recently only because I thought You know, what better way but to introduce my eight and a half year old daughter to, uh, um, you know, to the legal profession, but legally blonde. Um, But, you know, I can't. It it wouldn't be fair for me to uh, compare or contrast the two. Uh, What I can do, though, is go home and and watch my cousin Vinnie again. And then I'd be happy to answer that question. Yeah,
5: I want to talk to you about it because my biological clock is ticking like this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what about what about legally blonde is it that you liked?
2: I like the Chihuahua. No, I like the fact that she took the Chihuahua with her everywhere. Now, you know what I liked uh, about that movie is that initially, obviously, her motivation to go to law school was because she was completely enamored with this asshole, right? And so she she went to follow him. But what I liked is that uh, she, she obviously excelled when she was at Harvard. She wasn't well liked, um, but that didn't stop her. Um, and she didn't really care what other people think. And ultimately, she won everyone else over. With her charm uh, and her wit.
5: Legally Blonde is a law school movie. It's not a lawyer movie. I object. <laughs> There's no comparison. And you know, you don't have to project your own feelings. We like you, Michelle. It's okay. It's okay.
0: Diagio, <laughs> yeah, tell me about a movie that you like that reminds you of the practice of criminal defense.
6: The Pelican Brief. Um, <laughs> I know
0: I know 100% you're lying. So tell us the right answer to the
6: question. The the greatest lawyer movie ever made, My Cousin Vinny. Consistent with many of our guests on the Law Garage season 2. Can you tell us why? Uh, well, one I, I, it regardless of its connection to uh, to criminal law, I think it's it's a fantastically entertaining movie for what it is. Uh, it's, it's meant to be light and funny and entertaining. It's 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 a really well cr- crafted script. The movie doesn't lag on for too long. There's some great performances, um, but in, in terms of the, the actual law part of it, it gets it gets closer than more most of what the you know this more serious movies. Uh, land in terms of what the reality of of criminal practices like they cover procedure and, and it's and it's fun um, he you know the, the cross-examinations of the three eyewitnesses he has a different strategy for each one and the strategy is based on how that witness is presenting to the jury the first guy comes across smug so he hammers him and he yells at him and he raises his voice because he knows the jury will respond to that then there's an old lady and he's Sweet and soft with her, he calls her dear, and then there's the, the, the you know the schlubby guy, and he kind of just he's a little condescending to him and, and 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 treats him like you know talks down to him. But ultimately, the guy just says yes to everything he says because now he's holding his hand and walking him down this path. And you know, I've watched the movie, I don't even I, I A couple even tell times. It. Yeah, a couple times here and there. Uh, but you know, but these are things that I always in, enjoyed the movie. But as I as I when I you know, started getting more practice and experience. And I continue to rewatch this movie that you notice these things is that, you know, I, I, I didn't get that when I watched the movie when I was you know 15 years old, but I, I get it now that you got to know who your witness is. You got to know who the audience of the witnesses, whether it's a judge or a jury. Um, you know, so I, I think, I think the movie, I think the movie, the, I, I, it's, I, th- I remember watching it in a law class, like in high school and the teacher played it. I, it, and it deserves to be played uh, it deserves to be played in trial ed classes in law school. <laughs> I, I I think it does. Val, what about you?
2: Devil's advocate.
6: For
0: Keanu or for uh, Al? A bit of both. Why do you say?
2: It, well, although they're not it's it's not a criminal law movie. Well it is it starts. Is, is, yeah. it, it, it starts yeah, right? corporate. Yeah. Oh yeah, it does. The beginning, it's true. But then the rest is more corporate, it's a bit of everything. I guess it's just a darkness around it and how often our practice is pretty dark. Well, that opening, scene,
6: that opening scene is disturbing.
2: It's, it's slightly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But imagine being able to know what they're talking about in the, in the jury room. Because oh. that, that was his, uh, his trick, right? Mm-hmm. Is that he knew what they were talking about in the jury room. I don't see how that helps going forward in cases.
6: No.
2: Well, to understand, no, I think it could be helpful to understand how jurors think or what, you know, bothers them or what they stick to. And I think there's something to be learned about, not that any of us would, you know, would ever record or listen, right? No,
0: obviously. I mean, and we're never going to find out because I think that most jurors stick to their oath and don't discuss it. Because once you're on that jury, I think you feel the solemnity of the proceeding, and I don't think very many of them take it l- very lightly. Mm-hmm. So in Canada, we don't have that benefit. We do have the benefit of the American system where they write books after and give you that, but it's different culture
6: in my in my opinion. You, you, uh, you've you've uh, been in front of way more juries than I have. Do you think the the Twelve Angry Men, <laughs> the one convinces the eleven? Do you see that happening in any of the juries you've ever been in front of where you're looking at them and you you, you think, oh, I think they're going one way, but there's a possibility that you think the outcome was one or or two or maybe even three just swayed the rest of them?
0: I think that, yes, that occurs, but when it does occur, it's to convict. (laughs) Ryan, um, tell us about a movie or a TV show that has influenced your decision into getting into criminal law.
7: The only I I don't I don't watch TV shows I, I watch movies I don't usually watch TV shows, so I I'm typical in this way that my two favorite are My Cousin Vinny and A Few Good Men, <laughs> both both of them are are brilliant in their own way. Uh, like I said, it was more the O.J. Simpson trial that that I watched that influenced me, but. Um, But uh, yeah, my cousin Vinny, a few good men. uh, There's no other legal drama, legal movies than than those two, to me. Hold on, so
0: let's break them down. So Ryan, tell me about my cousin Vinny and your your favorite part.
7: Favorite part of my cousin Vinny is definitely the part where uh, he's going deer hunting, and Marissa Tomei uh, goes into goes into a screed. He's like, "Are the pants I'm wearing good enough to go hunting?" She comes back and says, imagine you're a deer and a fucking bullet hits you in the head. You think you give a fuck what the pants the guy shot you was wearing? <laughs> so yeah, I, I love my cousin Vinnie. That's so, my so it wasn't thing. a
0: legal part that's your favorite part.
7: No, it's, it's Marissa Tomei. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's all be, always somebody who is, like it's interesting in, in life. Nobody does it alone. Mm. There's somebody helping. Uh, usually it is the husband or the wife. Um, it, it definitely isn't my experience. I, I couldn't do it without my wife, so uh, so I, I just love, um, yeah, I love that element in the movie. It, it wasn't my cousin Vinny; it was it was his wife who was doing a lot of the heavy lifting.
0: So tell me, Ryan, of your thoughts of a few good men.
7: I, what what I love about. Uh, you know, what's interesting about cross-examination, cross-examination is so hard. And normally, cross-examination is not dramatic. Normally, it's just point, 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 point. You know, you didn't see this. You didn't do that. It's it's it, it, it's actually, if you're not in it, if you're just watching it, if you don't know the facts of the case, it can be very boring. Uh, it's important for our clients and for us and for the judge, but most of the time, it's it's Boring to an observer every now and again, there is an eventful cross examination where you just smash someone and like Anna Maria was saying, you know that nobody could um, could convict after hearing that cross examination they're few and far between so. What I love about A Few Good Men is the, the cross-examination scene with Jack Nicholson. There's, there's a really lawyerly point there, which is that the lawyer recognized that the army officer who ordered the, the, uh, the code red, the beating of the, um, the derelict officer, he wanted to, um, to say it. He thought he did the right thing, and he wanted to say it. And I think what's so interesting about criminal defense, when you do it long enough, you know what people are going to say after a while. Um, you know, you can, you can get these little, little tidbits about what they're going to say, what their personality is, the, the way to approach it. So, uh, so, yeah, for a few good men, it, it's, the, um, it's the cross-examination of Jack Nicholson. And the, yeah, damn right I ordered the code red. Not saying you'd get a confession in, in most cases, but, uh, but there's, there's a point there to study for lawyers, which is that he, the Army officer thought he did the right thing, and the lawyer knew that.
0: Bella. Can you think of a movie that has inspired you to become a criminal defense lawyer or something that you watch on TV that when you see it, you say to yourself, ah, that's not how that's not how the law really works. And, and it gets you annoyed or some, something that you watched and said, wow, they did a really good job of representing lawyers.
8: Um, so I, uh, Marco, I have two kids. And I'm a criminal defense lawyer running a practice. I don't watch TV. <laughs> I don't watch movies. Um, I'm just kidding. I uh, I I remember being really um, really young and watching A Time to Kill with Matthew McConaughey. I I I I will and and uh, Samuel Jackson. Um, and it's a John Grisham novel. I'm sure that you know I'm not not necessarily a fan of Grisham or um, or that style of movie, but it, it, it stayed with me. I think the, the racial aspect of the movie was probably the most, um, powerful, um, in shaping, uh, m- me as a, um, sort of somebody being an ally and being an advocate and being aware, acutely aware of how our criminal justice system sort of evokes these issues daily. Um, and I wanted to be, I wanted to be one thing I remember about that movie—I guess it made a huge impact on me—but one thing I remember about that movie is that uh, the idea of Matthew McConaughey, who's the white—I um, I forget the state that they're in—but um, United States, uh, yeah, uh, there's, uh, a, a sort of a, a racist component to the the charging of Samuel L. Jackson, who's a, uh, a black man, accused of the murder uh, of um, of these two or one and the shooting of a, a, another. uh, Person um, uh, uh, suspected of having raped his his daughter. Um, I I remember Matthew McConaughey being very poor and working on nothing. um, In the face of a very well built, you know, government machine with this, you know, well funded prosecution, and I remember, I remember sort of getting goosebumps about the idea of being. On the side of the underdog and being on the side of the against the odds, if you will. I do remember that, and that's that's been I've been in, you know that I prefer. I I get um, into cases where uh, the, you know project matters where guns and gangs prosecutions that are extremely well organized, well funded, um, and you know you feel as a defense lawyer um, that you're up against a huge machine and it's intimidating, but I personally get uh, a thrill out of going up against that, that machine. Uh, and I remember that from the movie as well, just kind of being excited about that.
0: There's uh, there's always something about those, those death penalty cases. I, I remember the judge in yeah. that case, I think was named <laughs> judge noose, you know, and yeah. it was uh, it, right. And it was like, and they were, uh, they were in Mississippi and um yeah, this- right and it was you know there was this it's not something that is um it was you know considering it was a like a mid-90s movie it's still highly relatable today and and it's the type of movie that um for defense lawyers can inspire you to take those steps and, and remember remind it can remind you of the importance of Of our job and and the role that we play in society. What about you, John? Anything jump out at you? I
9: mean, it's, it's Jack Nicholson. A few good men. The truth. You can't handle the truth, you know, and his, his amazing role, um, in a few good men. Uh, I remember watching that was when I was really young and, you know, he's being cross-examined by, by Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise is is trying to get him uh, to confess on the stand, and you know it's always stuck out of I me. Mean, you know, uh, if you prepare a cross examination, you know, uh, with enough work behind it, you'll be able to get that witness to crack on the stand and, and you know uh, confess. And I remember back then I thought it was you know funny. All you really have to do is is yell and scream with such passion, and that witness will crack. <laughs> Right, you know, <laughs> still picture Tom Cruise standing there when he, at the moment, he's screaming at Jack Nicholson, you know, and he's screaming, "I want the truth," and, you know, it, it leads Jack Nicholson's character to crack, and you know, he's going on about, "You want me on that wall? You need me on that wall?" and you know, and you know, when it was all said and done, you know, Nicholson's moment of self-reflections, like, "What have I said? What have I done? I'm under oath. It's all over," and, you know, it it, it led me um to have that like excitement about cross-examination because in any well-devised cross-examination that moment is is always available it it could happen to any one of us where you know we get that to happen in court in front of a jury and you know i'm I'm waiting for that to to come you know during a, a murder trial or something where I get a witness to say, yes, you're right.
8: I killed him. It wasn't <laughs> your client, right? That's
9: all for Hollywood.
8: Hey, Marco, know, if you hear, if you hear about John, if you hear, oh, John Filiberto's been, you know, uh, asked to be removed from 2-8 at 361 because he's just, he's just yelling at the witness saying, I want the truth.
0: <laughs> but you know, you know, John, uh, that, that scene—it always strikes me as um, how lucky he is to be able to just cross-examine his own witness because he he called the witness. He didn't he didn't have to bring a nine one. He didn't have to bring a nine two. He just just attacked them. No, but really, the, you know you know it, the interesting part about that. Um, re- realistically, the interesting part about that scene is that the jeopardy of the lawyer. Uh, the lawyer is in jeopardy. If, if he f- incorrectly or falsely accuses the witness because of his higher ranking status, he could get himself in trouble. And so it created this tension where the lawyer himself had to be careful because the lawyer could get in trouble. And we have those similar or somewhat similar rules. And I remember all going over Um, you know, went with the Joe Groya case and how far can we push, you know, this courtroom conduct. But in A Few Good Men, they really established that tension between the lawyer and the witness because if the lawyer makes a false accusation here, he'll suffer a reprimand. And so how do you act, how do you vigorously defend your client if you personally have um, consequences to yourself by making the suggestion that you want to make?
9: You know, ultimately, we all have a duty um, prescribed to us to zealously represent our clients. At the same time, you know, in cross-examination, you always have to have a good faith basis uh, for the questions that you're putting to a witness. And, you know, in A Few Good Men, you uh, I recall correctly I don't think Tom Cruise had that he had a suspicion We didn't really have a basis to accuse um, you know the four star general of directly ordering um, you know the code red Um, so I think you know the fiction there uh, is more so for entertainment but for us in a professional aspect you know the theatrics of, of the yelling and screaming I've never actually had to to resort to that I've never had to raise my voice at a witness or in court at a Crown or a judge. I find that if you always maintain a very calm demeanor, uh, that itself speaks volumes. Like I I never really changed the tone of my voice during a cross-examination, even if the witness is, is being impeached over and over and over again. I think their um, reactions and their tone and their visible, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, anger at, at what's being put to them, you know, us accusing them of, of uh, lying under oath, their reaction is much more strong uh, or stronger than than me yelling at the client, you're lying, uh, you know, uh, so on and so forth. Um, you know, if I, I've always found that keeping yourself on that that level playing field where you don't really um, react that passionately and, and resort to those kinds of tactics. They've always benefited me. You know, I find that juries and judges, uh, really, uh, respect that type of decorum. Um, and ultimately the witness is the one who ends up, uh, you know,
0: being shown in a
9: negative light and it's always been a benefit.
0: Michelle, is there a movie or TV show that inspired you to become a lawyer?
2: Uh, yes. I mean, it's a, a Few Good Men. And if I'm going to be honest, also Legally Blonde, uh, I can't even tell you how many times I've watched A Few Good Men.
0: Okay, let's talk about A Few Good Men for a second. What what do you like about A Few Good Men?
2: Uh, I, I like that uh, the, the defense strategy, you may recall, <laughs> uh, is that uh, Caffey, uh, obviously speaking with uh, the other lawyers that were part of the team, they made a decision to put Colonel Jessup on the stand and try and get from him that obviously he was behind the larger conspiracy and the code red. Easy Um, easy. peasy. You know, sadly the real world obviously doesn't work that way. We can't hope to just put up a witness uh, and get it from them. But, uh, this just It's a memorable uh, courtroom drama and everybody knows the quotes from that movie. And I just recall that it inspired me when I was younger, before I became a lawyer. Uh, when I was in law school, I do recall watching Law and Order religiously um, as a law student. But it's interesting. Once you start to practice criminal law, I don't have any interest in watching any lawyer shows anymore.
0: No, I, I understand. I, I like A Few Good Men because it, articulates the conflict that the lawyer feels with respect to actually having to run this trial. He's a resolution lawyer. He got his clients a good deal. He was happy with it. He wanted to just go play baseball and his clients are very principled and said, no, we didn't do anything wrong and we need you to run this trial. Yeah. And he kind of gets bullied into it and um, he has to face his own fears.
5: I think there's a lesson to be learned for lawyers. Who refused to run trials when you watch that movie? Because I remember specifically when the uh, prosecutor, played by Kevin Bacon, they're having the resolution discussion and he makes them an offer. And, uh, and uh, Tom Cruise's character says, no, 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 and tries to make it. Ultimately, Kevin Bacon's character says, listen, we both know you're not going to run this trial. So this is the best offer you're going to get. So if you're a lawyer, who doesn't run trials. You're going to get those deals where the where the crown knows you're not going to run that trial and ultimately they can try and bully you into a position. So that's it's important to learn that every now and again your client's got to stand up and say not guilty and you have to ask a few questions and hope for the best.
0: Paul, what's what is the best recantation in Cinema history. The best witness recantation in
3: cinema history. (laughs) Uh, You know, it had to do with some affidavits that were presented to this witness. And uh, the FBI was involved. And um, uh, in the affidavits, it said, uh, uh, Michael Corleone did this. uh, Michael Corleone did that. uh, uh, So he says, yeah, sure. And uh, that was it, right? That was uh, that was the best recantation ever. With the the brother coming in, all the way from Italy, just sitting down in the crowd, you know. And the case just disappears before them. And and to see the senators scrambling and saying, "Oh, we have a signed uh, uh, deposition and this and that." It was
0: between the brothers. <laughs> That um, you <laughs> know what's good about that recantation is that um, he blames he, he basically blames the FBI. You know, he yeah. we don't get witnesses who actually recant like that and say, uh, I made it all up because I was offered a deal." Wouldn't that be great? That would be the best. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Law Garage podcast. If you're new to the podcast, please check out season one and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Law Garage. Our production crew includes executive producer Jason Cooper and associate producers Christina Zdow and Remy Sansonwal. The Law Garage is a Jay Mike podcast production.